You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. A couple of exclusive items will be featured in today's newsletter, an interview that I recorded with former Steeler linebacker Ryan Shazier. We discussed the journey after his career-ending injury, and he talks about his worst day after that spinal contusion. It's a really... Uh, Really good interview, and I appreciate Ryan joining us. Also, we'll take you behind the scenes of one of our rejected calendar pictures. Fritzy and McLovin, they were going to recreate Simon and Garfunkel, an album cover there. What happened with that, McLovin? One of us didn't look like the person we were supposed to look like. Either I didn't look like Garfunkel or Todd didn't look like Simon. We were never told which of us did not look the part, which is amazing to me. Because I think if I had a blonde wig on, I look like Garfunkel. And mm-hmm. Todd is the spitting image of 1978, Paul exactly. Simon. We enjoyed the process. I'm bummed that they didn't do more with the, those lovely photos. And you made us do Fleetwood Mac instead, so I Todd know. had to wear a dress. I know. Rumors. Both will be featured exclusively in today's newsletter. Have you seen that Chevy commercial where the guy goes out to the barn? Oh, where the daughter gets him and restores the old car? Yes. That's not fair. You know? That he got such a kick-ass car? Yeah. Oh. And, and, you know, and it's like, Merry Christmas, Dad. You know, I, I don't know. What are you getting your dad, Seton? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe nothing. Maybe but, a uh, leather wallet. Okay. <laughs> From FC Goods? Yeah. Okay. McLovin, what are you getting your dad? I'm getting him a GMC truck because apparently that's what happens at commercials. You know, $57,000 truck. Yeah. Does anybody ever, do you know anybody who's actually gotten like a car with a big bow on it? Really? Yeah, Paul. I I know a guy who's a dentist and to be fair, his uh, girlfriend supported him all through dental school. And once he became a dentist, he kind of made it. And I, he got his wife like an Audi A7, pretty expensive car. Mm. And he did the bow on the driveway, wake her up thing, like just like the commercial. Mm. That's, but I've never heard of anyone else do that. I bought my wife a pickup truck, an old, that, that 53 Chevy mm. pickup, but that was for her birthday, but not, not for Christmas. But Still that, cool. Yeah. Like she pulled in the driveway and I was in the truck. Wearing a bow? Yes, and nothing wow. else. Yes. <laughs> That's fabulous. Yeah. Yeah, and nothing else. Yeah. Yes, Todd. What about that perfect couple in the snow? Like, he, he gets her a puppy, and she gets him, like, a $70,000 GMC truck, whatever that costs. Oh, yeah. 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 That seems like he seems, he'd probably feel a little bad about that, that he didn't throw some earrings in there. Yes. Well, you should feel bad, because I said that about 30 seconds ago. Yes, Paul. I surprised my wife about four or five times by buying myself a car where I didn't tell her and I bought like an old car and she comes home like, what's in the driveway? Oh, it's just an old. Uh, I, so I do it the opposite way. I buy myself a car and she's surprised. Hmm. Uh, let's settle on the poll question, McLovin. And then we have an I-team investigation. So we actually put up which opening do you want because it was such an interesting debate. The Bears, mm-hmm. the Raiders, or the Jags. And the early leader is the Raiders. Okay. I don't know. It just feels like they're, you know, with the Gruden situation. I I guess you I have to look at Trevor Lawrence. Well, you know, you're already paying Derek Carr. He's already got his contract extension. Trevor Lawrence is still on the rookie contract. I just don't know if players want to go there and play. It feels like players will want to go play in Las Vegas. I don't know if they'd want to play in Jacksonville. Although I do think it, that is a desirable opportunity because of the division that you're in like you know that you have potentially the best quarterback in the division 
Question is, what do the Texans do if they get, you know, when they get rid of Deshaun Watson? Yes, McClellan. By the way, the Jags are a close second. The Bears, I think I'm reading this correct, are at 0%, 0.0. Paulie <laughs> didn't even vote for the Bears. No, I wouldn't take that job off offered. Yeah. Yeah, they got a lot of work to do there. Just because you coached Justin Fields at Ohio State wouldn't, I mean, I, and unless Ryan Day, let's say he eventually leaves for a job. Like, you, you didn't build that program at Ohio State. It's still Urban Meyer's program. And Jim Harbaugh talked about, hey, you know, you woke up on third base and you want to tell everybody how you hit a triple. Well, Ryan Day knows that it's not his program. It's Urban Meyer's program. But I don't know if that's one of those where you go, you know what, let me start my own legacy here. I don't know. But I think, as I was told when Urban Meyer got the job in Jacksonville, that Ryan Day would have been a better choice. He doesn't have the resume, but he has the ability to make Trevor Lawrence better. All right. The I-Team investigation or report? And now, wow. we go to the news. Oh, my I-team God. Investigation. The motto of our news team is, Fast and wrong is still fast. Let's go to the newsroom. Paulie? Fellas, you remember about a year and a half ago or so when Tom Brady announced he was going to Tampa Bay, uh, we posted on our social media minutes after, uh, welcome to Tampa Bay, ha, ha, ha. Pretty easy joke, but we did it. And then immediately Seton got the T-shirt guys going and put together uh, a report, uh, put together a shirt. I mean, Correct. within minutes, right? Well, yeah, almost immediately. Within the hour, we had a Tampa Bay shirt ready to roll. Now, it sold very well. America wanted the shirt. We, we fulfilled their uh, what they wanted. And then on April 20th, 2020, the uh, respectable law firm of Latham and Watkins <laughs> sent us a, a note uh, about Tom Brady's intellectual rights. It wasn't a note. It was a cease and desist. It was a cease and desist letter. <laughs> Thoughtful letter. It has come to our attention that you are selling T-shirts in violation of Mr. Brady's uh, intellectual rights. While we appreciate your enthusiasm for Mr. Brady and his recent move to Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, we request that you immediately stop selling all unauthorized merchandise. Mm-hmm. And as you remember the lines, as you know, Mr. Brady recently announced he'll be joining Tampa Bay. Mr. Brady's first name is Tom, and he wears the number 12, which, <laughs> to be fair, we knew all those things. Not all of us knew it, but... Okay, most of us. Yeah. Mr. Brady really blah, 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 blah. Please cease and desist. You know, we listen to them. Yes. Fast forward to last night. Tom Brady has that show. What's the man in the arena? Yes. It's produced by Tom Brady and Tom Brady's team. So he owns and operates his show. Yeah. Just like the Manning brothers. Yeah. Right. I got a let a note last night Uh from a producer for the docuseries man in the arena, a 10 episode ESPN plus series. This is from them. Hope this finds you well. Counting down the days to the holiday from this um, (laughs) gentleman who uh, is a producer on the show. The reason I'm reaching out to you now is in hopes that I can get permission for usage of a clip from the Dan Patrick show from uh, June 18, 2018, in which Dan Patrick is discussing his thoughts on Julian Edelman's PED suspension. Happened back in the day when yeah. Edelman was a patriot. They, they send the link to the clip, blah, 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 blah. Our series is in partnership with the NFL as well as ESPN. Feel, feel free to call me or send me an email regarding this request. Happy to shoot over materials or anything else you want. So they are waiting. They want to use a clip from our show in an mm. upcoming uh, episode of Man in the Arena but we have to properly give them permission. They can't use it. They're being respectful. Okay. Now, here's the thing. Right. Are we petty or are we cooperative? We're petty. Nice. Yeah. We're back. But something happened yesterday. I don't know if it's in conjunction with the letter that you got. An olive branch? I, I'm going to let you guys judge this. 
What are you grabbing under your desk? And can I help? What the... What the heck? No way. Tom Brady sent me a jersey, and it says, Dan, Super Bowl 55 champs, and then it's signed Tom Brady. Wow. What? Thought it'd be signed Latham and Watkins. Yes, it came in the the mail overnighted. Yesterday. Yes. And yesterday at, when did you, when did you get that, Dan? What time of day? Uh, well, it was when I got home from work, so. So let's say 6 p.m. 5.30. What? Three hours later, we get the email request mm. from a producer asking mm. for a thing. Mm. That's smart by Tom. Yeah. Smart producing. What? Yeah. The question is, can you be bought? Well, what I was thinking is, can I get, take away Dan and then sell this sucker? <laughs> you know, can make some money here. Can I put some white out there? No, it was very nice that he sent it. What? And uh, just wanted to make sure that I had a Merry Christmas. Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. So I, I got that overnighted. How does it smell? Oh, success. Like winning? Yeah, winning. Yeah. It's funny that he sent you a jersey after the, one of the worst games of his career. I, I, I know. Maybe he wanted to distance himself from that jersey. <laughs> <laughs> this, this jersey was pure yeah, loss. jersey stinks. Yeah. Shut out Get this jersey. This. It's okay. It, it, I, I don't think it's a game-worn jersey. What if you sent it back and say, I would like one from a win, please? <laughs> <laughs> no offense. Right, no offense. No offense. No offense. Oh, <laughs> we're back. Boom. We're back. Hold. Yeah. So I don't know where we are. I don't know where we are with this. Tommy, is Tommy wooing you? People get lost in those eyes. I know. I know. No lifeguard on duty. Uh, you can drown in those eyes. All right, we have uh, until the end of the week, they need to know whether they can use a clip from our show. Should I say we'd be glad to give you the clip as soon as Mr. Brady comes on the show? Because <laughs> we haven't had him since about nine years. Yeah. Can you say... Yes, you can use the clip as long as they show all five of us. <laughs> I looked at the clip. Because it would be really cool to be on that show, not going to lie. <laughs> Did you look at the clip? Is everybody included in uh, it? I, I saw the clip, and the clip is less than 10 seconds. Your hair looks good, by Thank the way. Thank you. I, that, was, that was my next question. Seton, you may make it. Yes. Because Let's go! <laughs> you asked Dan something, Yes. and then they go to Dan, and then they go to McLovin, there's a possibility Seton could get clipped in. Should I put that as a caveat that we need some airtime for the Well, game they might put voice of or, you know, that they might, you know how they do that sometimes? Absolutely not. I, I'm, I'm being told from the details the request is for both audio and video. Audio and video. Yes. Okay. Uh, it's under 10 seconds. Okay. I'll show you guys a clip of the break. Okay. Yeah, let me see it because, you know, I don't know if, is, is it one of those hot takes? Oh, no, you say just, um, you're talking about Julian Edelman and how people are covering the Patriots and yeah. what they call them cheaters from back in the day. Mm. And the quote is, Julian Edelman got busted. You know people are going to care a lot about this story because he's a Patriot. If he was a Dolphin, I don't think people would care. Okay. And it's part of their coverage. Oh, okay. This is the Edelman episode. Okay. The Edelman episode. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, they can use it. You got to stretch it out. Stretch it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know, Paul. I'm going to have to wait and see if I'm in the Christmas spirit. Attaboy. Okay. Thank you. Yes, McLovin. No, it'd be a cool piece of memorabilia, the broken tablet. Maybe you could have them send us that. 
Well, I, I don't know if I'm in a position to be saying, uh, hey, you know, hey, we'll do it. I need Tom's tablet that he broke. I mean, yeah, is the like the whole episode hanging on this one <laughs> no. 10 second bite? Probably yeah. not. <laughs> I, I, I mean, we're getting publicity for the show. I have to look at it that way as well. Yes, Paul. They're probably going to email us in the break saying, you know, this whole thing isn't <laughs> worth it. You keep your clip. Uh, Tom did his interview with uh, Jim Gray, the Let's Go podcast, and he had this to say about throwing the tablet uh, down and breaking it. Yeah, I was pretty pissed. I broke a tablet. I threw it. I didn't want to throw an interception with that tablet, so I made sure I'd hit the ground. So it was uh, it was out of use. There was <laughs> no no chance of that one being used after I got a hold of that tablet. Okay. All right. A little levity there. Um, he also... Jim Gray asked a question on Tom yelling at some of the Saints players and coaches on the sidelines. Tommy also went over into the bench area of the Saints and had a conversation. What were you screaming at them? Uh, we were just expla- exchanging pleasantries. It was a nice night in, uh, in Tampa. So we were just wonderfully in the heat of the moment expressing, uh, you know, I wouldn't say pleasantries, but we were uh, – very competitive in that moment. It was emotional. So it's just football players being football players. Okay. Boring. <laughs> you got to. This is why you have this podcast. You get the opportunity to explain what happens. Like, just tell me. Like, it doesn't, you know, hey, I was mad at whoever, the defensive line coach or defensive coordinator, or, you know, they were really upset with some of the, the hits that, uh, you know, Gronk took, certainly what happened with Chris Godwin. Here's Brady talking about the low hits on receivers. You know, Chris got hit, you know, in the knees yesterday, which is a play that I think they ought to take out of the game of football uh, from a receiver standpoint. And, um, you know, I've kind of talked to the PA about it for a while about, you know, and and I'd like to speak to the rules competition committee at some point this offseason to – I've seen that hit too many times where a defenseless pass catcher is in the process of catching a ball, then he's hit by the defender. And, you know, a lot of the defenders will say, well, we can't hit him in the head anymore. Well, the point is you can't hit anyone in the head anymore and you can't hit anyone in the knees anymore, except for receivers, because you can still hit them in the knees, which doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, this is this is a bigger topic here, that he reached out to the Players Association and the competition committee. He's going to reach out to them. But... You know, if you if you ask these receivers and tight ends in a private moment, would you rather get hit low or high? They're going to tell you almost to a man, I'm going to guess, they would rather get hit high. Ask Chris Godwin, would you rather have a concussion and still be able to play next week or a blown out knee? This is how these receivers feel. We may not like to hear it or the NFL may not like to hear it. Chris Collinsworth brought it up on Sunday night, but it's real. I mean, what is the strike zone for an offensive player? Do you know if there's a polling guard, you got a big lineman coming out on the edge and you're a defensive back, you can't go low on the blocker and knock him down. Somebody got flagged over the weekend. So defensive back basically has to just say, I... uh, I know this is going to hurt and go ahead and steamroll me. We we have to look at these defensive players and say, how do you play? How are you able to play the position? Because I don't think they know. 
You hit a quarterback, you don't want to land on the quarterback, you move to the side. You hit a receiver, okay, is he defenseless? Okay, Godwin made a plant with his leg, and I think that's the reason why he blew out his, his knee. You know, Gronk has been hit low. You know, Gronk got injured. Somebody hit him low. You're not going to hit him high. What do you do? And I think that's where the Players Association and the competition committee have to be fair. They got to look at it from both sides of the ball. But I, you know, I love what Brady's doing. If I'm one of his receivers that he's going to bat, he's going to the Players Association. But Heinz Ward told me he played against the Ravens, went across the middle, got knocked silly. He knows he knows he's got a concussion. You know what he does? He grabs his ankle. And I said, why? He said, because I knew I could get back in the game if they believed that. They didn't. They had to hide his helmet. But, you know, a former receiver told me, hey, I'd rather miss one game with a concussion than the rest of the season. You get a severe, you know, knee injury, ankle injury. If you hit me in the head, you know, I'm 26. I'll worry about that when I'm 46. Like, that's the mentality here. But, you know, those low hits on the receivers, if I'm a defensive player, like there's certain defensive players. Ronnie Lott could not play in today's game. He would have to modify his game greatly. You don't have these, I'm going to blow you up hits anymore. Yeah, McLevin. You know what's kind of scary is Donald Parham Jr., the Chargers receiver, he didn't even get hit. He was trying to make a catch. Yeah. And he hit his head. So it doesn't matter how many rules they have. It's still terrifying. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. He's Ross Tucker. He's busier than you are. He's the host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. And uh, he was the color analyst for the Raiders-Browns game last night on Westwood One. He'll be going to the Eagles game He'll be doing pregame for that tonight ahead of Washington versus Philadelphia. How are you feeling? I'm doing fine, man. It's football season. I got about a month more to uh, push through. Although I will tell you, yeah, I don't often do what I did yesterday. I mean, I, I live in central Pennsylvania, the Harrisburg, Hershey area. I drove out to Cleveland in the morning. <laughs> Listen, you guys, the whole way, the – uh, McLovin's friend that came up to you during taps had me rolling. Uh, but I listened to you the whole way out, five hours, uh, got to the hotel, worked out, showered, did the game, and then just drove home. Got home at like 2 a.m. last night. I didn't feel like staying over. I had too much stuff to do. I don't, I don't often do that. And I don't often, Dan, go to a game not knowing who was going to play in the game. <laughs> I mean, I really like, like I, I've heard of a game time decision before we're now getting, we're, we're in the era of a lab time decision. Like I was waiting to hear back from the lab to see who would be the starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns three hours before the game. Do you think players just don't want to be tested anymore? Like, let's just, let's just go. Let's just, you know, we're in the home stretch, and who cares if somebody tests positive or got flu-like symptoms or they're asymptomatic? Does the NFL care? Well, I think there are some players that do, and those players had been previously pushing for daily testing. I think the majority of the players at this point are like, you know what? I'm vaccinated. 
maybe I'm boosted, maybe I'm not. You know, 80% of the guys that are testing positive now are asymptomatic. Like, we got to play these games. Yeah. Because, Dan, it's kind of crazy, right? The game was supposed to be Saturday at 4.30. They postponed it 48 hours. The Browns got three guys back, Wyatt Teller, as well as Tack McKinley and John Johnson. But they lost Jadeveon Clowney and their starting right tackle, James Hudson, in those 48 hours. So the Browns got a net one more guy, Dan. One more guy. So they moved the whole – the NFL moved everything. 48 hours for one extra player for the Cleveland Browns. I'll tell you what's really weird now, the two things we got to talk about. Number one, they're not testing guys unless you have symptoms. Well, guess what? Nobody's going to say they have symptoms. Can you imagine being an NFL offensive lineman and what your offensive line coach would say to you if you came in and said, oh, yeah, trainer, I have the sniffles. I mean, they would look at you like you have three heads. But then I just found out yesterday, I didn't realize this. Do you know they're still going to do some random testing, though? Like almost like you're at the airport and it's TSA pre-check and you go through and you get buzzed and you're like, I don't have any metal on me. They're like, oh, no, it's just a random. They're doing random, which I think, Dan, presents a real issue. Like what if next week they randomly get a starting quarterback and he's positive Meanwhile, the team they're playing, the only guy they randomly test is the practice squad punter. I I think when you do things randomly like that, it opens you up to criticism and skepticism about how random it really is. I'm surprised they did that. Can you refuse? I don't know. Is it like when you get pulled over for a DUI or something, you're you're, you're refusing the (laughs) breathalyzer? By the way, I heard you guys talking about that yesterday too. But my point is is, – no, I don't think you can refuse. That's a great question. What, what are they going to do if you do refuse? If you do refuse, do they, do they say you're a positive or do they fine you? That's, a, that's actually an amazing question. We're talking to Ross Tucker, uh, the Ross Tucker football podcast. Um, also, uh, let's see, at uh, Ross Tucker NFL. That's uh, where he is on social media. All right, a couple of things. Let, let's start with Cleveland. How bad are things in Cleveland and how much worse is it going to get? Well, I think things are going to get better in the sense that they'll get a lot of these guys off the COVID list. The problem is their schedule is brutal. Yeah. I mean, everybody in the AFC North is. They got to play the Packers on Christmas Day on Saturday now. I think they'll get Baker Mayfield and some of these guys back by Saturday, but I guess you don't know how long it takes for the virus to get out of your body so that you don't test positive. That was a huge loss last night. I mean, I, I can't remember ever calling a game. There's a lot of things that were surprising last night, but can't remember calling a game where if the team won, they were in first place in their division and they were the four seed. But because Derek Carr led the Raiders for that field goal late and the Browns lost, Dan, they're the 12 seed now. They went from the four seed to the 12 seed. I've never heard of that, and it's because there's about 25 teams in the NFL that have seven or eight wins right now. It's unbelievable. Um, And you look at the whole AFC North, they all have tough schedules moving forward. It kind of feels like the Bengals are the team with the best chance right now. The Ravens are kind of reeling. Steelers are still kind of beat up. 
The only thing I thought I knew before the season was that the Bengals would be the worst team in the AFC North, and they might end up winning the division. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out the Cleveland Browns, if they don't make the playoffs, have, like how do you assess Baker Mayfield for that next big contract that is kind of hanging over the franchise? I don't think they're going to give him one. I really don't. I mean, you know, if you remember after the Lions game, they won, and he didn't talk to the media the day after the game, and his wife had a social media post. And then even last week, when they beat the Ravens, he talked about how they were too conservative. He talked about internal things. Like, what are you doing? I mean, what, what's he? first of all, this is the worst he's played in a while. But secondly, why is he going back to a couple years ago when he's saying things in the media that just don't help the team? Internal things, calling out the coaching staff when being too conservative. My read on it is I think that the contract thing's bothering him. I think that he's seen what happened with Josh Allen. I think he probably has a feeling that maybe the organization doesn't love him. And that's got to be hard. I mean, he's always had the chip on his shoulder. He walks on at Texas Tech. They don't love him. He leaves. He goes to Oklahoma. It's got to be tough to be the number one overall pick. A year ago, he's the toast of the town and the Browns are. And I think on some level, part of this buildup is because he's getting nervous that they're not they're not going to make him the guy. They're not going to give him the long-term deal. Yeah, I I just wonder what the Browns how they assess this. And I was surprised when he talked about he talked about something internal and it, it felt like there was a disconnect with him and Kevin Stefanski, the head coach. It it feels like Baker's involved in all of these controversies. You know, it's Odell Beckham, it's play calling. Uh, wanting to play, I decide if I'm going to play or not. And I think it just there's a little too much there for me, and not enough production that I can put up with this if you give me that. And it right now that's a balancing act that I don't like. Well, and and to add on to that, okay, they won both of those games. It, to me, Dan, as a former player, I'm an offensive lineman. Why is he creating drama after wins? I mean, we should be happy. We won the game, and yet against the Lions, they didn't score very many points. They didn't talk to the media. And against the Ravens, they let the Ravens come back. They had to, so he says internal things. These are wins. Why, why, that's the part of it that probably bothers me the most. I was wondering about the job openings. You got the Raiders will be open, the Bears are open, the Jags are open. If I gave you all three to choose from, Door number one, two, or three. Um, I think, I think I might go Raiders one, and that will surprise people. I took the Raiders too. I, I think Derek Carr is a top ten quarterback in the NFL. I mean, I I was impressed by him again last night. You know, they dropped a bunch of passes. His O-line's not great. They typically can't run the ball a lick. He's been under pressure forever. I think he's, I don't know, the eighth, ninth, tenth best quarterback in the NFL. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with that, right? I mean, I think you could say the Jaguars' entry point is better because anything after Urban Meyer will be a positive. They'll be patient with you. You have Trevor Lawrence. But I'm not, I'm not sure that Trevor Lawrence is going to be a top-ten quarterback. I already know that Derek Carr is, 
and they were rolling this year till they had the Gruden drama, the Henry Ruggs accident, you know, getting rid of Arnett. They just had a lot of drama this year. I feel like you get a good coach in there, you stop the drama. I think the Raiders could be a playoff team next year. I mean, they could be a playoff team this year still. Chris Collinsworth brought something up on Sunday night, and it's that dirty secret that if you ask players, would you rather get hit low or get hit in the head? Most players would probably say, hit me in the head. I can lose a, you know, I can be out for a game as opposed to I can be out for the season. Like Chris Godwin, if I ask him today, hey, would you rather get hit low or get hit high? He's going to say, I'll take the concussion here. The NFL doesn't want to hear this or doesn't want us to hear this, but players feel this way. Like, okay, I got a concussion. If I get a torn ACL, I'm done. Where do you stand on this? If, if, I, if I took you back to when you're 26 years of age and I said, hey, they can hit you low or they're going to hit you up high? Well, um, you know, a couple things. First of all, it doesn't have to be an either-or proposition, right? I mean, you can hit a guy high but not be in the head. You know, you should the target should be above the knee to the shoulder. I mean, knee to shoulder – should be a pretty big target range, number yeah, but, one. Number but, two, Ross, let, let's be fair. This is like the strike zone in baseball where they go, oh, it's from the knees to the armpits. It's not. It's, it's, it's far smaller than that. And these defensive players, if you're playing it and it moves so fast, I, I may accidentally hit you and, you know, get fined or suspended. I hit you in the helmet. I, I, get, I can get tossed from the game. It's just they they haven't the the playing field's not level for what a defensive player is allowed to do. Well, and to your point, Dan, if I played defense, I would definitely err on the side of caution and I would go low. Yeah. I don't want the fine, I don't want the penalty, I would go low. And to answer your question, because they've actually changed this rule as of this year, but when I was playing you get out there on a screen pass, Dan, or you'd pull out see outside and there's a corner or a safety, those guys would come flying up and they would dive at your knees. That's what they were taught because they can't go up high. If they go up high, you're going to just grab them and throw them. So DBs used to go up my knees. I hated that. I, I would much rather them come high at me, hit me in the head. I have a huge head. You guys know that. I, I, I'd much rather them hit me in the head than go low. They've actually changed that rule that outside the tight end box, they can't go low anymore, and the DBs don't really even know what to do. I, watched, I, I watched a flag get thrown this weekend where there was a five foot ten defensive back, and he had a six five lineman, and he couldn't do anything. He had to basically say, go ahead and, and steamroll me because he couldn't. He went low and he got flagged for that because yeah. there's no other place. Like, you can't go up top with a lineman. No. No, I mean, that's just physics. That's not going to work. What those guys really have to do is they got to just try to make you miss. You know, they got to jab inside, pop back outside. They, they can't take you on at all. Mm. But they used to be taught – Take the lineman down right there and create a pile. Did you ever get knocked out? Never unconscious. And in fact, when I played, you know, I don't really think we thought it was a concussion unless you were knocked unconscious. I've seen multiple guys on the field asleep like a baby. One guy in college at a night game. And one, and one time, Drew Bledsoe, we were playing at the Meadowlands 
Dan, he was laying on like the 42 yard line like this, like, like, like asleep, like a baby. And by the way, he might've came back into that game. Now that I think about it, I'm not even sure just to tell you how different it was, but I do know in hindsight, several concussions that I got, but back then it was just like, you kind of just saw stars and you're like, Oh man, that was crazy. But you just kept playing. You didn't really know that that was a concussion and you should say something and you should come out of the game. Uh most important game for which team tonight? Seahawks, Rams, Washington Eagles. Out of those four, who has to win? Yeah, I would say the Eagles. Uh, I, I would say the Eagles. You know, if the Rams win, then they're right there with the Cardinals, which is great. But if they lose, they're still going to be the five seed in the NFC. Seattle's not going to be able to get back into it. There's too many teams with seven wins now. For Washington, I mean, as of right now, we'll see what happens at 4 p.m., but as of right now, they have like 16, 18 guys, whatever it is on the COVID list. Eagles have to win this game. I mean, the Eagles are coming off of a bye. They're playing against a team that has a bunch of guys on the COVID list, including their top two quarterbacks. The Eagles, if they win, then they're 7-7 seven and seven right there in the playoff mix. Eagles have to win tonight. There's, there's no way around it. Always great to catch up with you, and uh, hopefully you get a breather here next couple of days and, and uh, i will on christmas thank you dan yeah merry christmas to you buddy and uh thanks Likewise, again for all joining you guys us. all right that's ross tucker host of the ross tucker football podcast he works for cbs westwood one did the browns raiders last night he's got the eagles pregame tonight against washington thanks for listening to the dan patrick show podcast be sure to catch us live every weekday morning nine until noon eastern six to nine pacific on fox sports radio and you can find us on the iheart radio app at fsr or stream us live on the peacock app hey i'm doug gottlieb the podcast is called all ball we usually talk all basketball all the time, but it's more about the stories about what made these people love their sport and all the interesting interactions along the way. We talk to coaches. We talk to players. We tell you stories. You download it. You listen to it. I think you'll like it. Listen to All Ball with Doug Gottlieb on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Always been one of my favorite guests, going back to the mothership. Steve Young, Hall of Famer, ESPN NFL analyst, three-time Super Bowl champ. Paulie, do you have the scouting report on Steve from the Combine before I bring him on? Yeah, back in the early 80s, uh, Gil Brandt was taking notes on Steve Young. Mm. He listed him at six foot even and uh, six foot and one half inch, 205. The 40-yard dash he had from him, his hand time was 4.55 seconds for a 40. Okay. Let's bring in Steve Young. Does that sound right, Steve? Four, five, five for the Seems 40? Seems slow, Dan. Seems slow to me. <laughs> I, I, I was faster than that in college. Uh, I, Gil, Gil had a slow watch, let's be honest. <laughs> you, you knew that. And then six foot, half inch. I mean, look at my football card, Dan. It's at six, two. I mean, it, it six, if you want to know accuracy, look at a football card. What? I've this been around card. you. You're not six, two, Steve. Foot co- football cards don't lie. <laughs> you know, football. The funny thing is, football cards is when you when you're when you start out of the league, they give you a sheet, you fill it out, and that's what they use. So I wrote down six two because that's I. If you ask me, am I six two? I would pass a lie detector test saying yes, I am six two. But Gil Brandt, of course, thinks that he's gonna you know shrink me down because I'm you know didn't go play for the Cowboys. So whatever. Did you want to play for the Cowboys? Roger Staubach was my hero. Ooh. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, he was uh, Roger. I mean, my, you know, he had, you know, the, all the posters you have in your bedroom and, and uh, Roger was, he had that action picture of Roger. I remember it in the ball. Uh, he started to run and, and the ball was out here and, and you could see, well, I'm lefty, but he was writing and his hand and his fingers on the, on the ball were just, you could see it perfectly. And I remember spending hours on, <laughs> I had a ball and I'd put my fingers and I'd go, Oh, right there. Yeah. Right there. <laughs> You know, it's funny about uh, Heroes, Dan, because I remember uh, uh, when I was growing up, Roger Stavik was super influential to me. I mean, I, I tried to talk like him. I tried to run like him. I, you know, and and the thing is, he didn't know me. And it's like people say, oh, I'm, I'm not responsible for raising your kids or I'm not responsible. Well, I'm trying to pay it forward for what D Roger did for me in my whole life, just because I think that that's. That's my experience. So Roger was much more than a poster on the wall. That was for sure. But did you think about if, if let's say Dallas had the rights or could have drafted you, let's put it that way, would you maybe bypass the USFL? Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I you know, when Cincinnati had the first pick and Sam Weish came out and told me they were going to use me for it, and I had John Hadle and Sid Gilman John, uh, Don, uh, Don Klosterman, who had just left the Rams uh, in L.A., and, and, and I could go play right away in L.A. Uh, Gary Zimmerman, my buddy that I'd met on the All-Star Games, was going to be my right tackle. He ended up being a Pro Football Hall of Famer. There were so many guys that were young and really good players. So I really I kind of believed Don Klosterman and, and Sid Gilman telling me that he could teach me how to you know play quarterback and – that was some big stuff. And rather than just go sit behind Ken Anderson or whatever they were going to do, I, I, but if it was Dallas, yeah, I, I think that might've won the day. Is there a bias against left-handed quarterbacks? Yeah, there has to be Dan. I mean, I mean, just the, just the numbers. I mean, there's 10% of the, the country is left-handed and 0% of quarterbacks in the NFL are left-handed other than now Tua showed up after five or six years of nobody. <clears throat> But what's the difference on the field, though, Steve? The difference is an advantage. Uh, everything in football is right-handed. Every coach puts up the play right-handed. Every play is run right-handed first. Um, right, everything is right-handed. So a lefty, I always felt like, you know, uh, it would, it was like linebackers would, you know, they were. You could see that they were like, well, you know, they weren't sure where, you know, it was just a little bit of an advantage, and I. But I remember in, my, in college, uh, Doug Scoble was my uh, offensive coordinator at BYU and, and a freshman, and he didn't know my name. I was like eighth string. He saw me in like November of my freshman year at the end of the season. I ran into him, and he said, hey, Young. And I was like, oh, he knows my name. <laughs> and he goes, uh, you know, by the way, I don't coach lefties. And I, I was like, well, <laughs> so much for that. <laughs> that was not, that's not what I'd heard. And uh, but he was serious, but he ended up going to San Diego State a month later and Ted Tolner came in to run the offense and uh, and he was and I had I'd moved to defense because uh, Lavelle Edwards was moving over there because couldn't coach lefties. Wait, wait, wait. And, you're, uh, a, you're a defensive back for about for about two weeks in January in, in winter meetings. Tom Homo was uh, the defensive captain and he was teaching <laughs> me how to backpedal and I and because they said, look. You're you're fast. You're four five five, Gilbert. Uh, you you can you could go tackle everybody, and and so I was like, all right, I guess I have no choice. 
And then Tolner came in. I was I kept throwing the football because I was loving learning how to throw it. Really, I, Jim McMahon had shown me how to how to release the ball and really put power on it. I never really learned in high school. And then when I learned that, I was like, I could, I just want to throw the football. I can. It's amazing how it feels and what I could do, and I could put it right there, you know. And Ted Tolner said, "Why are you? Why did you move to defense?" I go, "Because I'm lefty." <laughs> Ted Tolner, thing. What, what are you, an idiot? What do you, what do you mean? We're going to, uh, no, they told me I couldn't play le- a quarterback because I was lefty. And he goes, that's stupid. He went in to saw Lavelle, and then next, he said, look, I negotiated uh, for spring ball. For four weeks of spring ball, the first two weeks, you're going to play quarterback. And um, and if that doesn't work out, then you can go back to defensive back. And by the end of the two weeks, I was backing up Jim McMahon, and there you have it. So lefties, left, but there is definite, there has to be, Dan, a, a bias against lefties because there's just no, there's none around that's just crazy but i also wonder when you think of a lefty we normally don't think that they have great velocity you know i it feels like they have touch they have touch you know kenny stabler <laughs> had touch. no no i'm just saying well, that, the, I, I, look, you've got a s- sample size of three <laughs> no, so, you you so. michael vick could throw it like Michael Vick could throw it. Okay, I get you, Shane. Um, I, I got to. I mean, two no, is a finesse a guy. Ball. Look, I understand it's like not a fastball out there, but uh, for getting the job done, and I mean, Joe Montana, even you know Tom Brady, Pey- Peyton Manning. I mean, there's not a fastball in there right now, right? So I don't know what you're looking for. The Jeff George special. No, 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 I'm not. Know. Did where, I just offend where you? Where you headed, Dan? I, I just you got wanted... the bias as well. I see you wow. got the. You're part of the problem. You're not part of the solution. Wow. Wow. My apology. My apologies. I, I'm sorry. To all left-handed quarterbacks out there, I apologize. You can see I'm, I'm, not, I'm not emotional about it at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> do, you, do you toss the ball? When's the last time you actually played catcher through the ball? Last night. Justin Jefferson and Randy Moss. Well, I, I mean, for a like a you miss, you miss me dancing yes, the gritty. I don't know what what, what you got. do you watch sports, Dan? What I don't know if you we're the we're the pre pregame show of record. I don't know why you would miss that. What show are you on? Oh, you're Monday. on that Fox show. Yeah, Monday I, night. Oh, Monday ES, Monday night. ESPN oh. Monday night. Yes, I can't believe that. That uh, is just disrespectful. I'm no sorry. wonder you you hate lefties. I can. See I do. That now. I but you know why I know what Montana's doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I backed you in the corner. You had to come out shooting with both guns. You're like, I know, oh, what, I know. What can I do? I know. My Young's bad. got me in the corner. <laughs> now where do I go? I just got to. I got to fire. I got to fire as hard as I can. <laughs> How close did Jim McMahon come to getting tossed out of BYU? Not. I mean, I, I remember Lavelle Edwards is a masterful human being. He he. He was a he was a phenomenal human. He could he could he could see the good in people. He could he could work the the system and give people opportunities. And Jim McMahon, he I remember him calling in Jim and saying, Jim, man, come on, like if you're gonna throw a party like that, you gotta do it in Park City. You can't, you can't do that. In, you can't do it in Pro Bowl, man. You gotta go to Park City. And uh, Jim's like, yeah, 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 okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, but he just. <laughs> Lavelle saw the good in everybody, and Jim had a lot of good. He was a he was a funny, good guy. He was crazy, but he was a he was a he was a good human. And uh, BYU is better for having him around. So, uh, but I did see some things I've never seen ever <laughs> since. By the way, people always say, "What's the wildest thing you've ever seen in your life?" Or where were you? Where were you? It's like I was in Provo, Utah. <laughs> and what did you see? 
let's not. Uh, I, I, uh, let's just leave it that Dan, that Jim McMahon threw some uh, some crazy <laughs> stuff. So. But you didn't go to the parties, did you? I popped in. I popped in. I was invited. I popped in. <laughs> it always checked it out. I was it, checked it out. I thought, holy cow! Did you ever hear Dion talking about when he first got to the Cowboys? And Michael, no. Michael Irvin was throwing a party at Hotel Suite. And Dion shows up and he says, Mike, I, I don't do that stuff. I don't live like this. And he, and he turned around and walked out of the hotel room. <laughs> Dion, uh, you know, Dion is a, I remember him joining the 49ers and, and uh, everyone was worried about what kind of teammate Dion would be. And because you know, no one knew him really well because he'd been in Atlanta. And I uh, knew he was a phenomenal football player, but I'm not sure about a teammate. And he walked in and he said, look, Steve, I am a uh, master class uh, PR guy. So don't be fooled. I know what I'm doing there, but don't ever don't don't pay attention. Don't don't get involved in it. Uh, I'm going to be the best teammate you ever had. And I remember that's a heck of a statement. And it was true. It was like, just don't pay attention to all the stuff going on. I'm going to take you the blood in the locker room. I got your back. I'm going to I'm I'm and he was he was a phenomenal teammate, very underrated uh locker room guy. He was he was an amazing amazing football player and an amazing amazing kind of uh athlete. And I mean not just athlete uh, physically like an emotional uh athlete. Like he could be you know go go do the uh Dion thing, and then he could he could you know he could do two things at once. He could be a phenomenal you know teammate, and he could be out there doing his you know kind of marketing Maven stuff. But I wonder though, with the emphasis on offense, if if Dion is coming up now, is he a wide receiver? Well, what about the kid he just he just got signed? I mean, you know what he told him? You know, look, I I I, the same kind of thing. I mean, Dion's very influential, and he's he, the kid's going to play defensive back. And it sounds like he's the great one of the great athletes of all time. Why didn't he play receiver? I, I in fact, I, funny you asked that question, Dan. I, just the other day, I was asking. My, I said to myself when he when he signed the kid. Uh, uh, I'm sorry for remember. I can't remember his name, but Travis he, uh, Hunter. Travis. So he goes to goes to Jackson State. I mean, I was trying to think of how Dion sold him, and I could I could sit there. I could hear him selling him. I could hear how good he was, how good he would be, and how he could tell him, you know, all the things that uh, get him to come to Jackson State. Can you imagine being the number one recruit going to Georgia or Florida State? Or and they said, no, 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 no. I'm going to Jackson State. Yeah. I mean, that how good you want to know how good Dion is right there. Well, it's it's really DSU. It's Dion Sanders University. He's he's going to play for Dion, and if Dion happens to get another job, it feels like that's a package deal. Yeah, but it's pretty cool what uh, historically black colleges, what Dion's doing for those schools. Yeah. I mean, it's not just one school. It feels like Dion's, you know, kind of t- leading the way for 10 schools, which is pretty. I, I'm, I guess I'm making my point for you yeah. as I continue to talk about Dion. He's quite a, quite a human. Um, you know, I was watching you break down Justin Fields that he tries to do too much. Oh, now you're going to say you watch the show, even though you don't even know where. Okay, I, I see where you're going. Go so ahead. I did watch that. You did okay. You did break down Justin Fields, right? And you said that he I was did. trying too hard. Uh, young quarterbacks try too hard. What advice would you give Justin Fields? Uh, the advice I give any what I'll call dual threat quarterbacks that are good runners who can throw. Uh, they've got to they've graduate to throwers who can run. 
And the job in the NFL is to throw the football in the pocket. How long did it take you? It's a process, but it's more of an, I'm telling you, Sid Gilman, we go back to the USFL, one of the best things he ever did was, you know, I'd, I'd run around and make plays and, you know, run for first downs. And he like, what the hell? What are you doing? You, no one knows where you're going. No one knows what you're doing. No one, what, what, stand in there and throw the football. And I'm like, what do you mean stand and throw the football? I'm not going to take a sack and, you know, I can go run around and, and make something happen. What are you talking about? He goes, you don't understand. We call a play in the huddle. The play matters. Stuff matters. You got to get it to get it the full, get the full measure of the play. You leave too early. And so one time I ran on, ran around, and he got irritated. He goes, go get a rope. Someone give me a rope. Someone got a jump rope or something that was running around. He goes, he got a rope. He stopped practice. He tied my legs together. <laughs> you know, it was more ceremonial. You know what I mean? But he was like telling me what I would want to tell Justin Fields, what I would want to tell Michael Vick, which I did tell Michael Vick, what I would tell anybody who could run around and throw the football. You have to. You have to be like Mac Jones. Mac Jones is not going anywhere. Mac Jones has to figure out a way to be a phenomenal, sophisticated throw of the football from the pocket. And you have to be Mac Jones for some time so that you can, you know, I'm not saying Mac Jones is going to be spectacular. I'm, not gonna, I'm just saying you have to be the guy that can't move. You have to, you have to tie your legs up, you know, kind of mentally so that you actually are forced to sit in there and figure out how to get the ball out of the pocket, like out of your hand. And I think once you start to learn that game and you can run around, that's when the danger really comes. I mean, that's when people, you know, I see the young uh, uh, guys and, and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and, and they're, they're getting there and it's going to, you can see how dangerous they are. And, uh, um, it was funny, Patrick Mahomes this year, really the challenge was the league as what happened to us uh, with the West Coast offense in the early 90s, it was so far ahead of everybody. Defenses finally said, forget it. Screw it. We're not, we're not just going to play zone. We're just going to back up. We're going to give you everything short, but we're not going to get beat with you throwing all over the place and people running around. We're, we're spinning around. We're not going to do that. We're going to put 22 eyeballs on the quarterback and we're just going to wait and force you to be patient, force you to not make mistakes, and mm. won't force you to go, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12 play drives. You can do it all day long, but you got to show the patience. And that's what the Chiefs, that's what happened to the Chiefs this year. Defense has said, you know what, screw it. We're not, Travis Kelsey running all over the place, uh, Tyreek Hill running, the, no more. Just back up and force you to play, you know, be, be you know, human. Just drop it off. And they struggled. Patrick struggled a little bit, yeah. but they they faced the challenge. Remember, it was, it was it late October? They were losing games, or maybe it was middle October. You know, like who are the Chiefs? What's going on? Well, the league said no more, and they had to adjust. And then they did, and now the league has no answer. I think the Chiefs are better today, more dangerous today than they've ever been because they now have all the arrows in the quiver that they needed. The defenses go well. We can. We have no answer now. I got to start watching this ESPN stuff. I think Steve is really <laughs> breaking some stuff down here. Could you outrun Brady right now? 
Yes. Okay. Yes. Tom. <laughs> okay. Tom's a good man, a good friend. <laughs> but uh, Tom, what I love about Tom, uh, well, I mean, obviously amazing in so many things. You, how do you get started? But one of the things I love is when he rarely does throw an interception, a pick six. And and Tom is super competitive, as you know, like hype, I mean, white hot, super competitive. But his his body turns to try to go clean up his mess because he he means to, right? And he starts to run to do it. And he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> Why bother? <laughs> Nobody's that forget slow it. that I'll catch him. Forget, uh, yeah, I, no. nah, forget that. And I guess, I mean, if we can I just take one minute and, and tip my cap to the great Tom Brady? Because not only has he done what he's done, but he's done it from one spot. Like, I didn't have to do that. And there's a lot of guys that don't have to do that. And that is it. I mean, Peyton Manning had to do it from one spot. Dan Marino had to do it from one spot. Um, that is not a, I, I would not want to live that way. I would play in the, play in the, play in the position and not being able to get around a little bit, man, I just, how do you, I, I just think it's amazing what they've done. I want to, uh, let you plug what you're doing. Uh, you're the chairman of the board of integrity and you're uh, gifting employees. Oh, you're a good man. Uh, yeah, go ahead. So go ahead. Give, give the plug. Well, no, I mean, it, 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 look, I, it's funny. They, uh, I have, I'm, I've transitioned 20 years ago. Now I've been in private equity for longer than I played football. And uh, one of our businesses, Integrity's insurance business, and it's called Tech Insure. And, and what they've done is all the, they, they sit in between the carriers and the, and the insurance agents with, they create products for senior living. And it's really, I mean, you think you say it's a business and it's, a, but it's a good, cool business. And, but not only that, it's good people. And Brian Adams runs the business, uh, for us. And, uh, he came to me a couple of years ago and he said, Steve, I want to I, I want to give equity to the employees. I want to make them owners of this business. And I remember when he did it, I thought, you know, because I'd been, I'd watched the NFL for years, Dan, and you can you know this because you're older, you're old, you're old enough to remember. There was days back in the 80s, and 90s where like players and, and owners were like miles apart. Nobody. There was like, I remember 1987 when we went on strike, I want to say it was the owner of the Giants. Somebody said, well, don't they understand the players? We're the owners and they're the chattel. And I remember thinking, I went to law school, bro. I know what chattel is and that's not cool. Like that, <laughs> that does not, that is not cool. But it was a guy like Eddie DeBartolo who finally said, you know what? I want you as my partner. I want you as a part of my family. And, and then Robert Kraft and, 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 uh, 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 Arthur Blank and our guys started to own teams that were like, look, I, I want to build a partnership with, with players. And in doing that, I think the CBA finally kind of caught up to that in the early 2000s. And you want to know why the league is so great today? You can say all kinds of things. I say it's because owners finally gave essentially profit sharing to the players. So when Brian said that to me, I said, that's a great idea because when people feel like they're owners, they, they'll they'll do anything uh, because they feel like they're, they're actually a part of this. Uh, and so he did it. And that's, he's the, I don't know if there's any insurance company in the world that does this, but he started, he gave a uh, $50 million out two years ago to get started on this program. And then we just finished another transaction with Silver Lake, Egon Durbin, the famous Egon Durbin. And, and, uh, and, and now those guys, those, that, those employees, 5,500 employees, now who had a stake in the business have now made 150 125 million dollars still with their stake i mean they're still making and 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 so yes it's a great way to give people a chance to feel that sense of ownership and it's also a great place for companies 
And so I guess the point we came on the show, to be honest with you, Dan, is that people, there's a lot of people that own businesses. I, su- I suggest, highly suggest, that you think about making employees owners of your business and start to share. And that's a great, it was a good example to me too, to be honest with you. So there's, that's the story. And, you know, I appreciate you Give me a second to talk about him. It's great to talk to you. And I'm going to start watching that football program that you're Great. Daniel, I love being on with you. You asked me great questions. I could go on for an hour and laugh with you, and I appreciate it. And so uh, anytime. My best to the family. How many kids now? Four. I Two remember. Do that... you remember when you had your first? And then I think you said, why didn't you tell me what this was like? Yeah. See, you, you, another thing you hid from me. I, 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 I wish I had five or six. I mean, I feel like I got, you know, I started late and I mean, these kids are amazing. So, I mean, they're teaching me more. I, I have, a, you know, a couple athletes and a couple of ones in music theater wants to be on Broadway. I mean, I was like, all right, he can sing. Like, How do you, you can sing? Like, no one can sing. No one can sing in my family for generations. I mean, <laughs> You're known we went to Ancestry.com <laughs> and there is no singing genes anywhere. There's no connection, but the kid can sing. So um, that's awesome. Well, hey, great to talk to you again. Thanks right, and uh, Merry Christmas, buddy. You too, Merry Christmas. All right.